to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, we will begin reading at verse 24. It is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. We are thankful to be here and thankful for all that God is doing. Thankful for great reports of this morning and uh, believing that God is continuing to work. Continuing to work. He said, I will work, but who will let it? Or who will allow me to work? I am willing to work in all places at any and all times. But because he is a gentleman, he will not force himself into places where he is not welcome. But I am excited to be amongst a people tonight who want him to know that he is welcome. Acts chapter 4 and verse 24 says, And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of Thy servant David hast said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child, Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. I'm going to preach tonight for a few moments with the help of the Holy Ghost. The power of a touch the power of a touch let's put our Bibles down and let's go before the Lord in prayer this evening God we love you and we thank you for all that you have done God I thank you for all that you are doing in this place and in our city God I thank you for the work that you have already done today God, I pray that you would move in every heart and every mind and in every life your wonders to perform. God, I pray that you would touch every individual under the sound of my voice tonight. God, I pray that our hearts would be open, our spirits would be willing, that our flesh would move out of the way so that you can do your work. And God, we will be quick to give you the praise 
to give you the honor and all of the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. The power of a touch. Mankind was created with nervous system in place. And the nervous system is made up of nerve relays that send signals to the brain. These signals which are sent to each and every one of our brains were designed by God to help us as humanity experience life and experience life in our surroundings. The brain interprets these signals which are sent by our nervous system as senses. There is the sense of sight or vision. There is the sense of sound or hearing. There is the sense of smell or olfaction. There is the sense of taste or gustation. And there is the sense of touch, which is also called tactile perception. You see, it is the eye that translates light into image signals for the brain to process. It is the ear that uses bones along with fluid to transform sound waves into sound signals. It is chemicals in the air that stimulate signals, stimulate and signals the brain to interpret chemicals as smells. The tongue is full of taste buds which send signals to the brain to let you know that bacon is delicious and tofu is trash. I'm, I'm just making sure you're awake with me tonight. There are specialized receptors in our skin that send signals to the brain. The sense of touch is so important that an entire science has been dedicated to the study of touch. And not just medically, but also psychologically. Humanity, according to psychology today, there are uh, various and, and vast resources and research that demonstrate the need. It is a need for humans to experience touch. From a developmental standpoint, infants, that's babies, literally cannot survive. Literally, they cannot physically survive without human touch. Skin-to-skin -skin contact in even the first hour after birth has been shown to help regulate a newborn baby's temperature, heart rate, and breathing. 
It even is known to decrease crying. Touch also increases a mother's relaxation hormones and aids in the release of chemicals to help her recover from birth. A now famous study examined the sensory deprivation of children in understaffed orphanages in Romania. The touch-deprived children, the authors found, had strikingly lower cortisol and growth development levels for their age groups. We've, we've told the story before how the scientists and researchers walked into the orphanage and they see a room filled with baby cribs and there are babies in every one, but the room is silent. We know the story very well. It is a real story. And the researchers and the scientists and, and those present there for the first time were amazed. And, and they began to question and ask and, and ask the question, how, how in the world do you get these babies to be so well behaved? They don't cry. They don't whine. They don't fuss. And to their amazement, the answer was, when they first arrive, they do cry. But when they realize no one is coming, they realize their efforts are futile. And they stop reaching out for comfort. You see, ladies and gentlemen, tonight the need for human touch is one of our most basic primal needs. And let me just pause here and tell you that you can look for the satisfaction of that primal need in the wrong place. And instead of finding the comfort that it was designed to give you, you'll find hell on earth. Is it any wonder that mankind in their deprived sinful state can wreak so devastating havoc upon each other by using touch in inappropriate manner, whether sexually or violently, whatsoever it is. Power of a touch. Touch deprivation is correlated with negative health outcomes such as anxiety, depression, and immune system disorders. Is it any wonder that in a marriage relationship, you start fighting, don't touch me. Stop, don't touch me. Better back off, woman. You're not going to come up in here spinning your wiles now. Uh-uh, don't touch me. Don't touch me. But could it be that at the very base of who we are as human beings, that when Adam was just a pile of dirt, God knelt over him and breathed into his nostrils. It was close contact. Elsewhere in Scripture, you'll find that, that Moses knew God face to face. 
Is it any wonder that the prophet gets word of the widow woman's son who is laying up in the prophet's room that has been built for him and he's laying there dead and that prophet goes in and stretches himself out upon the uh, upon that young man and he begins praying and the breath of his prayer is face to face with that young man and before long God begins to answer the prayer the power of a touch. And hell would like nothing more than to keep you away from the power of a touch from God. It is recorded throughout Scripture that the stretching forth of a hand is correlated to specific moments of spiritual stirring and spiritual shifting. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife on Mount Moriah. Israel, otherwise known as Jacob, stretched forth his hands and placed them upon the heads of Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. God stretched forth his hands to smite the Egyptians with plagues or what he called his wonders. In all of Scripture, this type of language occurs 89 times. And I'm closer to being done than you think, so just stay on board with me. We're going to wrap it up soon here tonight. In the New Testament, there are 12 occurrences, 89 in the entirety of Scripture. Jesus instructs the man with the withered hand, stretch forth your hand. And Jesus implored the masses in Luke chapter 22 and verse 53 that they had not stretched forth their hands against him while he was in the temple. And so spiritual things are attached to what we are reaching toward and what we are desiring to grasp. You can read in Acts chapter 12 and verse 1 that Herod stretches forth his hand to vex the church. You can go all the way back to Genesis chapter 32 and verse 25 and you can ask Jacob there. But he saw that he did not prevail against the angel and the angel saw that he didn't prevail against Jacob. He had been telling Jacob let me go and he said I won't let you go until you bless me. They were locked in physical touch. They were locked. They were wrapped. They were tied in to each other. He was not letting go. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go until you do something for me. And he said when he saw that he prevailed not, he reached out and touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And then Jacob started walking with a limp from that day forward. But along with the touch, he said I know who you are. I know what your nature is. I know it's in your very nature to run. It's in your very nature to cause trouble. And you've relied upon your feet to carry you far away. But with the touch of God, not only is your identity changed, but you're going to have to learn how to face life's difficulties. You're going to have to learn how to not stir up trouble. You're going to have to learn to be a man who can stand on his own two feet. I've come to preach to a man tonight. You need to let God touch you and change your identity. You need to be a man who stands flat footed it says God I'm going to take responsibility for my actions it's the power of a touch he walked away Israel but he had walked in Jacob he had walked in as a supplanter he had walked in as a deceiver 
It's easy to deceive when you got two good legs. You got two good feet. And you're faster than your brother. You can steal from him. It's easy to deceive your blind father who can't chase you down and give you the whooping that you deserve. That's the power of a touch. But he walked in a deceiver, but he was touched. And he walked out a prince. But I'm going to walk different, but your identity's different. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna park right here and fish for a little while, Brother Turtle. <laughs> We're gonna fish in this hole for a little a minute. He said, I know, I know that it's not gonna be comfortable, but when you let God touch you, But too often we don't want to linger in the altar until he touches us. We just want to linger until the goosebumps rise. We just want to linger until the hair stands up and we can skip out of dodge before there's ever really any change. We're afraid that if we linger too long, our old life is not going to fit the way that it used to. The old titles are not going to fit the way they used to. But I've come to tell you that the power of a touch can change your identity. The power of a touch changed the way that he approached conflict from that day forward. It was so powerful that touch was that when he came before his brother Esau who had been suffering from bloodlust, he had raised an army so that when he met Jacob, I'm going to cut off his head. I'm going to destroy his family and make him watch. I'm going to destroy everything. Why do you think he came with an army of hundreds of men? It wasn't show and tell. It was not supposed to be a happy family reunion. It was supposed to be let's surround him and torment him for a while. But because he had been touched, his family dynamics were changed. And the Jacob that had just wanted everything handed to him, when Esau comes to him, he said, what were these great gifts what were the camels and the sheep and the goats? He said, it's nothing. You can have it. It's yours. Take it. Whereas before it was give, give, give. Let me take, let me take, let me take. Now it was everything I have is yours. What do you need? It's the power of a touch. You could turn to Matthew chapter 8 and you could ask the leper. And Jesus said, do you believe I can make you clean? He said, Lord, I believe it. And he reached out and touched a leper. He reached out and touched somebody that the law said you got to separate for seven days. But the power of the touch, the power of getting connected. I come to preach to somebody tonight. You need to make up your mind before I leave this sanctuary tonight. 
I'm going to get linked up with my purpose. I'm going to get linked up with my God. There are some things in my world that need cleansed. You can ask that leper in Matthew chapter 8 who was touched by Jesus and made clean. You could flip over to Matthew chapter 9 and ask the two blind men who were made, uh, who were made whole again. You could flip over to Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 and read, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come Holy before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I come to preach to somebody tonight. There's power in the touch of the master. There's power in one account. There's power in one encounter to change your destiny for the better. But you got to be willing to say, I'm bringing my plans with me. I'm bringing my dreams with me. I'm bringing my hopes with me. And God, I just want you to move. I just want you to work. I just want you to touch me. Abraham stretched forth his hand. Isaac stretched forth his hand. Israel stretched forth his hands. God stretched forth his hands. Jesus instructed the man with the withered hand, you stretch out your hand. I don't want everybody to know my business. Everybody's seeing my defects. They see me walking down the street and they grab their kids and they go to the other side because that's a guy with a funny hand. That's a guy with problems. Hey, there's that guy that I wonder who sinned. I wonder if it was him or his parents. And Jesus said, No, it's just for the glory of God. It's the power of a touch. Well, there's that woman with the issue of blood. Everybody get away from her. And she said, I've tried everything. I've gone everywhere. I've searched everywhere. But I'm willing to get out of my house and push through the crowd. I may not be able to touch him, but if I could just touch his garment, it's the power of a touch. And so we see tonight that when you're willing to bring your insecurity, and when you're willing to bring your problems and when you're willing to bring your issues and you're willing to say okay God I'm going to trust you with my withered hand he stretched out that withered hand and it was made whole it's the power of a touch I wonder if at first he said okay I'll reach out my good hand and Jesus said no sir that's not what I was referring to you give me the part of you that you don't want anybody to know about you give me the mess you bring me the hang ups you bring me the defect and let me work it's the power of a touch Our opening text was in Acts chapter 4. If we were to back up, we'd find Peter and John 
Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, they're going up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. It's being, it's the ninth hour, approximately somewhere, three or six o'clock in the evening. You do the math, you figure it out. And there was a, a certain lame man. That tells us there were other lame men. There were other lame folks. But this certain lame man was there again. By the end of the story, we understand that he was well known. He was there a lot. People had known him. People had given alms to him. His life was reduced to begging. In fact, that's all he had ever known. He had been lame from his mother's womb. They laid daily. He was carried by other people. I just feel like a burden. Carried him daily to the gate called Beautiful. Gates had names. It's another study for another time. To ask alms of them that entered into the temple. But you see, his body was defective. He couldn't go into the temple. He was halt. He was lame. He was imperfect. He wasn't allowed inside the doors. We have a high priest. And here he looks up and he sees Peter and John. And they're getting ready to go into the temple. And he asks him, hey, man, you got any spare change? Anything helps. I mean, penny, quarter, dollar, anything. Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, hey, look at us. I get the image in my mind. He said, hey, sirs. All he'd ever known was shame. All he'd ever known was feeling like a burden. Please. And the fact that Peter had to tell him, hey, look at us, that means he wasn't. All he'd ever known is rejection. All he'd ever known is turmoil. All he'd ever known is everybody's got to carry me everywhere. I can't even go to the bathroom on my own. And unless they lay my clothes next to me, I can't even change my clothes. Can't bathe myself. But it was this certain lame man that responded to what was getting ready to take place. Peter fastening his eyes upon him with John. Maybe he said, John. He said, hey, look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Oh, oh man, maybe they got a 50 for me today. Maybe it's my lucky day. Maybe they got this. Maybe they got that. Maybe these guys won the Jerusalem lottery. Maybe they're feeling generous. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up 
and walk. And he took him by the right hand. And he lifted him up. I come to preach to somebody today. They feel so beat down you can't even stand up. But you're in the right place. And there's a group of folks here tonight that say, I know you may not know how it's going to work out. But you're in the right place at the right time. And the Holy Ghost is here. And God wants to work. I'll lift you up. I'll walk with you to the altar. And immediately his feet and his ankle bones receive strength. And they walk and leapt and praised God all the way into the house of God. They walked into the house of God with him. The first time he went in, he walked in as a miracle. Peter and John could have said, man, Ain't got nothing. And just kept on walking. But these had been normal Galilean fishermen who had had their boats pulled up to the dock or pulled up to the beach and they were there and they were mending their nets when a certain man walked by, a certain man with that Galilean dialect and the Galilean look with the calloused hands and the rough hands and the strong arms and he was a man's man he was a carpenter and, and you can read uh, throughout history and you can read uh, the scholarly resources and many scholars and theologians believe that, that Joseph the earthly father of Jesus died uh, when Jesus was just a young man which is why he was never recorded uh, further into the ministry of Jesus other than when he was 12 years old and they went searching for him and he was not uh, uh, recorded at the marriage supper at Cana of Galilee and he was not uh, uh, he, he wasn't uh, at the crucifixion he wasn't at the trial it wasn't because he was disinterested they believe it was because he was dead and you can research through scripture and they said at times isn't this Jesus the son of the carpenter and then they said isn't this Jesus of Nazareth the carpenter. Many scholars and theologians believe he took over Joseph's workshop. Took over Joseph's business. And for the 30 years before he comes out of the wilderness, he's going through everyday life providing for his family. And by the time he arrives on the scene with John the Baptist, he's no longer Jesus, the son of the carpenter. And he's not Jesus the carpenter. But at this point, before he had ever performed any other miracles, before he would ever opened any blind eyes, the voice from heaven shouts down and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm pleased by what he was doing before he was in the spotlight. And they had been there mending their nets and they saw him, not the son of the carpenter and not just the carpenter, but they saw him, the son of God. And he said, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. 
And they had walked with him for three years. But then they had been touched by him in the upper room. They had been filled by him. And so these had just been ordinary fishermen. They're no longer just ordinary fishermen. Silver and gold have I none. The same God that touched and changed me can touch and change you. So they're being persecuted. Acts chapter 4, because of the miracle and because they're preaching and teaching in Jesus' name. They're released. They've been beaten. They've been humiliated. The man is standing there. Miracle. He's been, he's more than 40 years old. They said, ask his parents. This wasn't some gimmick. This wasn't some televangelist ruse. When he walked into the temple, they knew who he was. They had just never seen him like that before. They had only ever seen him before he had been touched. But his identity after he had been touched by God was significantly different than who he had been before. But what if he had just responded, just shut up and give me some money. That's all I want. But that was not all that he wanted. He said, I want to feel like a man. I want to feel whole. And God desires for us to be whole. Not just healed, but whole. And when he was made whole, he took it upon himself to give praise to the one who had made him whole. And they said, God, start praying, Lord, you know their threatenings. Grant to thy servants with all boldness that we can speak your word. God, we want you to stretch out your hand again. Lord, they told us not to be preaching in your name, but we're not going to listen to that. We believe that if we'll preach and you'll minister with us, if you'll work with us, that the power of one touch can change the world. Say, well, pastor, that's all fine and good. That's all Old Testament stuff. But what does... What do connections have anything to do with present day life? Well, you can, you can do the research on your own and you'll, you'll discover that influence matters. Influence matters. And people search for inspiration and people search for influence. You can go into the era of the world wars and find a man by the name of Winston Churchill who was said to have been, he admitted to have been inspired by a man by the name of Marlborough. He said his fearless faith in himself and his vision derived from the inspiration of the model that preceded him. There was a model that he looked to and that model to which he looked inspired him to do and to act and to be 
a certain way. And so in turn, they had gone back and done research and talked to this man by the name of Marlborough. And he explained that Shakespeare was essential to his development. And Shakespeare is said to have accrued knowledge from Plutarch. And so there's an ongoing conversation, it seems, throughout the ages, that there is strategic planning and there is collecting of data and there is the implementation of ideas and philosophies and, and actions. And this person influenced that person. And then they ask the influencer who influenced them and on and on and on. And there is connection that is made. We're talking about connection tonight. Connection is vital to human survival. If we would go back even further and we would uh, discuss uh, with the little man himself, Napoleon. Uh, and Napoleon admitted to being inspired by Caesar almost 2,000 years earlier. And Caesar admitted to looking to Alexander the Great, who in turn admitted to going to bed at night with a copy of Achilles under his head. Well, Pastor, that's all ancient history, quite literally. Well, that, then let's skip forward to the 1980s and the 1990s to a, a Russian politician by the name of Boris Yeltsin. Boris Yeltsin would become the president of Russia in 1990. In 1991, he would become the first popularly elected leader in the country's history. He would guide Russia through a stormy decade of political and economic retrenching until his resignation on the eve of the year 2000. He had been the right-hand man to the infamous Michael Gorbachev. He had been uh, counter, his counterpart in the city of Stavropol. After Gorbachev would come to power, Yeltsin in 1985 was appointed to clean out the corruption in the Moscow Party organization. He was elevated and through a, a long series of events, and we're not going to take the time uh, to dissect all of them tonight. There was a falling out and, and Gorbachev wanted to go this way and Yeltsin wanted to go this way and Yeltsin was not leaning towards communism. He was leaning towards a democratic republic and he wanted the people to have more freedom and there was certain idealism about him and it could be said that he uh, caused the fall of the USSR. He, he played a strategic role at the very least and so they asked Boris Yeltsin, who ironically quit the Communist Party in 1990. They asked him, they said, Mr. Yeltsin, what gave you the courage to stand in defiance in front of the foreboding tanks of Russia and your very own country? Boris Yeltsin admitted that a man in Poland by the name of Lech Walesa who had been a worker who defied the communist regime, had inspired him. This man from Poland, born September 29, 1943, graduated not from political hierarchy, he was not born into nobility, but he graduated from vocational school. He worked as a mechanic, a car mechanic. From 1961 to 1965, he served in the the army for two years after that rose to the rank of corporal and in 1967 was employed in the shipyards as an electrician. 
during the clash, a clash in December of 1970 between the workers and the government. He was a leader who stood in the shipyards with the workers and he was briefly detained. 1976, as a result of his activities, he was fired, had to earn his living by taking temporary jobs. He, along with other activists, began to organize free non-communist trade unions. He took part in many actions on the seacoast after rising in popularity and power through his work for labor equality and fairness. Walea, now uh, he became the head of the revived Solidarity Labor Union. He began a series of meetings with world leaders in April of 1990 at the Second National Congress. Uh, Walesa, I'm sorry. Uh, was elected chairman with 77% of the votes. He became the president of the Republic of Poland. He was granted many honorary degrees from universities, including Harvard, Harvard University and the University of Paris. Other honors include the Medal of Freedom from uh, given to him by the city of Philadelphia and the United States of America, the, the Award for, free, for the Free World and the U European Award of Human Rights. He even went so far as to earn the Nobel Peace Prize in 1983. He was just an electrician. He was just an electrician, just a normal guy. But Boris Yeltsin said, there's something about that that does something in me and the political party that I have engendered myself too, is doing things like that in my country, and I don't like it. And so this young, uneducated man in Poland became the inspiration for Boris Yeltsin. And so continuing the tradition, they asked Lech Walesa, who had inspired him, When he was asked what so galvanized his courage, he stated that it was an American by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. who had been his inspiration. Martin Luther King had been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 1963 and he was awarded it after his second nomination in 1964 and he claimed his award in Oslo, Norway. Upon being asked... What inspired him? Martin Luther King pointed to the Montgomery bus demonstrations in 1955 and said it was Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks was born in Montgomery, Alabama in 1913 but passed away in 2005, I believe it was, or 2006 in Detroit, Michigan. And all of the pictures that you see of Miss Parks, she's very well dressed, very modestly dressed, uncut hair, long skirts, modest sleeve length. Her funeral was performed, or held rather, at Greater Grace Temple in Detroit, Michigan. Greater Grace Temple is part of a religious organization called the Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. Miss Rosa Parks was a spirit-filled apostolic Pentecostal. And so could we say tonight that it was not 
necessarily Boris Yeltsin who was responsible for the fall of communism in Russia. But it was really Sister Parks who refused to get out of her seat because there's just something about this that doesn't sit right with me. And one touch led to another touch. And that touch led to another touch. And that touch led across the ocean to another touch in a shipyard where people were being mistreated. And that touch led all the way up into the present day to the fall of communism. Don't you've come too late to tell me that your one decision doesn't have that much power. You've come too late to tell me. You've come too late to tell me that one moment in time is insignificant. It is not insignificant. And as we stand all over this sanctuary tonight, I implore you to leave the status quo. I implore you. I beg you. I'm reaching for you. And I'm telling you that you can have such an experience in the power and presence of God that it could change the rest of your life and it could even affect the world. Come too late to tell me that spirit-filled believers are not world changers. That something so seemingly insignificant to you and I such as a seat on a bus which I'm, it was so much more than just a seat on the bus. But it was a woman that I believe the Spirit of God living on the inside of her said, honey, don't you move. You're changing the world. Well, I just thought I could only change the world from standing behind a pulpit. It's the power of a touch. What do you need from God tonight? What exactly would you like to see God do in your life, in your family? In your world. I'm so tired of children of God thinking they're insignificant and of no importance. I'm so tired of young people who don't feel at liberty to dream. It rips my guts out. It burdens my heart, my spirit to see those who have yet to break free. The Master's here tonight. And there's power in that touch. If you want Him to work in your life, I'm, I'm inviting you right now to step out from where you are. I'm challenging you tonight. I'll use your pride against you. I'm challenging you tonight to step out from where you are and to say, God, I want you to touch me. 
I want you to change my identity. I want you to work in my life. I want you to work in my family. I want you to work in my home. I want you to work in my present. I want you to work in my future. I want you to be able to use me. Make me the man. Make me the woman that you've called me to be. Withholding nothing. Come on. Withholding nothing. 